It's normal to beat yourself up about losses, and no one ever feels a loss, whether it's in your personal or professional life, more than yourself. For Wallace, there is an art to dealing with this, which is simply don't let things stress you out. If it's for you, it's for you. Reevaluate the situation and move forward. Wallace, who is currently senior director of ANR at Warner Chapel, is now in a space where things just kind of gravitate to him. And how he got to this point, here's the story. You're currently senior director of ANR at Warner Chapel, and you've done a lot of great work throughout your career. So I just want to start from the very beginning. Where did you grow up, and what role did music play for you growing up? Um. Prior to LA, I, I grew up in Florida. Florida is where I'm from, um, and uh, I was born in Broward County, raised in Palm Beach, Florida, which is my stopping ground. It's what I know. Um, and prior to this, prior to the music industry, I was my background is finance and accounting, and I worked for a pretty big finance company um, where we worked on a lot of like athletes and uh, entertainers, uh, portfolio management. Mm-hmm. So did you always think that music would be something you wanted to do for a living eventually? Absolutely. I always knew music was something that I wanted to do because um, as I was moving up the ranks in this, in this finance company, uh, they eventually gave me an office and I had a TV and it was cable TV. So I would switch back and forth between like MSNBC and like MTV or, or BET and like find out what's trending or see what's going on in the music world. But I kind of grew up in, I was at, I, I kind of grew up in music. I played the trumpet from the sixth to the 12th grade, but I realized I wasn't great at the trumpet, but I was like, hey, I love music and I love the business aspect of music. I was like, hey, let me go into the business side. And um, I decided to join the management side initially. And that's where I got my start. And I, I would drive to Miami every day after after class or after work, like a hour and a half drive from Boca Raton, Florida, all the way up to Miami in rush hour traffic and be in the studio for 14 on hours and then leave and go uh, sleep for a couple hours, wake up, go back to work and then do it all over again. And then it would be days where I have to have class and I would leave class and drive up to Miami and do it all over again continuously. And how old were you when you were doing that? I think I started at some point I'm trying to remember, uh, let's see, what what year are we in, 2020? <laughs> I think when I took it on seriously, I, I was like my last year of college. I think I was like 22 or 23. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, yeah, I was around that age, 22 or 23. I started before then um, at the beginning of uh, uh, college, but there was just so much going on and and I didn't have a true, true direction of what I wanted to do because gaining an internship in Florida uh, at that time was very scarce because there was only but so many people. It was DJ Khaled, it was the Rick Rosses of the world, and it was far, far and few of the guys that were emerging and the big guys that were making things happen. You know, like to get an internship with DJ Khaled was very hard at the time, but I did happen to get an internship. Um, with a group of people who represented like Flow Rider. Uh, and a couple other acts down there. So I was able to do that for a couple of months. And then I was able to figure out what I wanted to do. It's like, hey, I want to 
facilitate. I want to manage. I want to uh, be a part of the deal making process and the uh, putting songs together. But I didn't know what that what that was initially. I just was like, hey, I just want to do this. Mm-hmm. So this is really interesting, right? Because you, I guess, growing up, you had always kind of been into music. You played trumpet I, when you were a kid. Um, you go to college. You're more talented than you in college, but you also said that your background's finance. So were you planning to do that, and then things just took a different turn? Uh, absolutely not. I, I, I honestly was like, hey, prior to finance, my, my background, I was going to school for architecture. And it was like me and my friends dreamed to leave in high school because we were huge on the AutoCAD. And we're like, yeah, we're going to do this together. And then once he dropped out, I was like, mm, I don't really like architecture anymore. I love it, but I don't want to be in architecture. So I was like, hmm, I love business. I love finance. I was like, let me go be a, a finance major or XYZ. So I took that role, but I always loved music. My music was always passionate, but I didn't have that outlet or a entry point into the music industry. I had one friend that had became successful writing a huge song for an artist, and I tried to tap into him, and he was he, we went to high school together, but I could never gain that uh, welcoming energy at the time that I was always looking for, and I was like, hey, I have to figure this out. And, you know, it's like, so... And at a point I realized, you know, everyone has a bridge that they have to cross. And, you know, just because he was a successful writer at that time doesn't mean everything was in what he wanted. So it's like I start to realize, hey, I, I can't fault this guy. He's only one, he, one person and he's human. Um, so what I decided to do is I just decided to I took a leap of faith and I moved to L.A. Really? Not knowing anyone. How old were you when you did that? I moved to L.A. in 2013. September 13th, still remember the day. I think I might have been, how old was I? I was either 25 or 26. I can't remember. I think I was 26 at the time. And how how did that feel for you? That seems, I mean, to me, hearing it, very scary going from Florida, taking a leap of faith. Moving to LA, obviously those two places are extremely different. I mean, what were your your thoughts at the time? Were you nervous? Well, my 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 first, I wasn't even nervous about moving. I'll break that all down to you. My most nervous part of this whole move was getting on a plane. Prior to that, twenty twelve, I I had never got on a plane before. So I had landed some huge meetings in LA that I was able to secure through meeting somebody and I committed to the meetings knowing that I had a fear of flying Okay. because I was like, I want to do this so bad. And when I tell you how big my fear is, my, my fear is death. That's all I'm thinking. Oh, the plane's going to come down after nine 11 happened. That, that scared me. And I was like, I was like, I would watch my family. I watched my younger relatives go on planes. My older sister would fly. But for some reason, I couldn't do it. I had super bad anxiety. I would think about flying. I would get sick. And I would have, like, mental breakdowns and all kinds of things. So I was just like, I can't do this. Then I put in perspective one day. I was like, man, my parents fled a country and came to the United States for a better life. And they've risked it all. I said, I'm willing to risk it all and get on a plane and take this leap of faith. Mm-hmm. And I decided one day where I channeled it and I put it in my head that I was going to be fine. I booked a flight with seven writers and producers that I was working with. 
and I got on a plane. Um, most one of the most nerve wracking experiences initially because turbulence set in and uh, we flew Spirit, so it wasn't the, the best plane to fly at the moment. But we flew Spirit and we got to LA. Yeah, um, we had we had a great meeting and a publisher really liked the guys and they were super interested and. It was my first time in LA, my first time on a plane, and everything else I did by bus or by car through different states. And I wasn't, you know, this was a uh, once in a lifetime experience for me like that. Mm-hmm. So, like, it was exhilarating. Like, I was, it was mind blowing to me that I was like on the West Coast. I was at a meeting on the 16th floor of a building overlooking mountains. And the same day we go in there, a guy offers us uh, a major m- music. Uh, publishing deal and we were all blown away we like we thought we literally won a championship yeah yeah so I want to take a a step back a little bit and something you also had mentioned is that when you were trying to get into music the time you were trying but you didn't have an entry point and I think that's important to point out because a lot of people who listen to our podcast are students in college looking to get into music graduating soon but they don't really know you know how to do that I mean what was your true entry point? Like, what really immersed you in music? What got me into what got me into, I would say, the big leagues or like, um, really the entry point was there was a studio in Miami called South Beach Studios at the time, mm-hmm. where a guy by the name of Joe Gallo. If you guys Google him, he's like legendary. He's part of Gloria Stefan's uh, growth and a bunch of other stuff and bunch of huge musical acts um he gave us the opportunity to book south beach studio which is a very expensive studio that usually all the major artists and acts went to and writers were sent by labels to go there and write songs it was right on the beach i think it was on 12th and collins um he allowed us to at a lower rate pay our hourly rate so we would all put our checks together and stuff like that and the Abram would uh, would be like Pharrell, Yo Gotti, many different acts, producers like Bangladesh, and different people would come into the studio. But we would be in the B room, which was smaller, but it was super, uh, still a super nice room. Um, but we would be in the B room where it's more affordable to us. And what happened was, we we were like, how do we get creative? How do we interact with these people who are these huge acts or these huge superstars that are not trying to you know, have conversation with people when they come to the studio. They want to go into the room. They want to do their work and they want to get out. So I was like, how can we do it? I was like, the music. But I was like, how do we get the music to them? So what happened was we one day decided like we're going to leave the door open to the studio and we're going to blast the records. We're going to blast beats. We're going to play songs that were written. And then so many artists would walk past and be like, yeah, who are these guys? Who are these young dudes? And then it caught the attention of like Yo Gotti. It caught the attention of like some of Rick Ross's camp. So one day we're leaving the studio. This guy was like, "Hey, we want you guys to come to the club." And the club was literally around the front end of the um, on the front side of the street where the where the studio was at. So I come to the club. Rick Ross is going to be there. I want you guys to meet him. I'm like, okay. And Rick Ross, like, this is at his height of his career. Just like, like says what's up and hands us a bottle of Bel Air champagne when he just first started with Bel Air and we're like yo this is Rick Ross we're from Florida this is like our idol like this is crazy and I was like yo we really do this the conversation that really furthered there because there were so many middlemen in the situation but it was my first eye-opening experience like yo how close we're to this opportunity oh 
that opportunity set it for us to know that, hey, we can really do this because we have the quality of work if people believe in this. But now we have to take the next level. What made me truly realize or what was my big entry point is when I moved to L.A. And um, I played a key role in putting Justin's comeback record, Where Are You Now, with Skrillex and Diplo. I put that, I helped put that record together. I facilitated the song, the session and all of that and, and the producers that were involved. And that's when, I don't know if you remember too, around 2015, Justin was going through a lot of issues at that point in his life and mm-hmm. figuring out on his music. And, and this was a song that came out where it exploded. Yeah. It was nominated for a Grammy. It won a Grammy. It was a big song that led up to Justin dropping the Purpose album and they repackaged it and put it on that album. So that was the big song that people were like, yo, who's this kid? You were able to get to Pooh Bear and you don't have any industry ties. Who are you? How'd you get the song to to Justin and what happened and how'd you formulate these relationships? So that kind of bursted me onto the scene. Uh-huh. different labels and different people were calling me uh people that were my peers they laughed at me prior was like now you're you're the guy and then right after that uh my producer was a, i was part of uh putting the session together for the song broccoli by drum which was another big hit and and i think 2016 so it was like back-to-back smash hits and people were like yo how are you doing this like you don't know anybody like how are you putting this stuff together? That was my entry to the industry where people started to recognize me. And that's when different labels and different companies started calling me and say, hey, look, what are you doing? Do you want to come work for us? I'm like, what do you see yourself in X, Y, Z? And then that's, I think that was my entry point to the game on a big scale. Mm-hmm. In an interview you had done previously, you talked a little bit about the importance of having relationships across the industry. I mean, what role do you think those relationships played into your own success? Uh, Oh, I think they played the biggest role in my success. I think beyond just having a relationship, I think anyone can have a relationship. It's what you do with the relationship. I think with my relationships, I I truly expound on becoming friends with the people that I do business with Um, more than just what can somebody do for me because a lot of these relationships are processed. It's like, okay, you do this for me, I do this for you. Um, a lot of my relationships with my friends that I do business with, majority of the time we don't bring up business. We're just living in the moment. We're talking about life. We're going on trips. We're experiencing things, and business happens. We're not friends just solely for business purposes and for the betterment of like, how can this thing move me forward? We, we're truly tied into the betterment of each other's personal lives and careers and growth. So I always start there first. I always make sure I have a solid friendship with whoever I'm doing business with because it, it works tenfold. And I think that's me having the relationship with LVRN. That's how I was able to sign a person like Summer Walker, uh, being on it early and having the relationship with them because there was everyone wanted to sign. You know, it's like, like, hey, here's this kid, Wallace, who wants to sign Summer Walker, who has a relationship with these guys at LVRN, who are the next big thing that's happening in the industry. Okay, let's go, let's go, let's go support our friend. And in turn, I'm supporting them. Um, Yeti Beats, having the relationship with my friend Gordon Diller, uh, everyone wanted to sign Yeti Beats. He, he has one of the biggest emerging acts that is signed to him. And they're like, hey, how do we get our hands on that? Um, 
Lydia Astray, who's the writer for Doja Cat, wrote the number one Billboard song, that's having a relationship with Gordon to help facilitate that and make those things come to life, you know, plus what I bring to the table. You know, a lot of this music stuff is about relationships. Anyone can pay you. Any label can match a dollar, but there's something about intangibles of a relationship that you can't pay for, that people will take less to go somewhere else. And that happens for me a lot of time where people took less to come and do business with me because we have a real relationship because we can be honest with each other. We can be truthful with each other. And when things are tough, we can figure out and we can grow together. Mm -hmm. It seems to me like when I hear you talking, you really have a go-getter mentality. And it seems like you've had that since you were pretty young. Do you think that's something you've had naturally or do you think that's something that you've built up over time? I think it came naturally. I, I honestly will credit my mom. My mom has always, and my father also, but this, my mom is just like, if a box weighs a hundred pounds, she's going to figure out a lifter herself. Meanwhile, she can call on three people, three, my brother, me, my sister, and my dad to lift it. She always was pushing forward in business and moving to this country and always striving for more, never asking for anyone to give her anything, but just give her an opportunity. And she's going to show you what she can do with the opportunity. It was always with me since I was young. Like, um, I always felt like I didn't have all the tools possible growing up. So I had to create my own tools. So I always was a go-getter. I always like figuring out, even with my friends, there's a couple of us that work in different sectors. Some are lawyers, some are uh, in the army, some are uh, tax accountants, all kinds of stuff. But I was always the one in the group like, yo, what can we do business-wise? What can we do this? Okay, I have this idea. Let's do this. It was it's just something that was instilled in me when I was super young and just like, just honing on that, honing in on that skill as I continue to grow. It's just, it's just something that's a part of my DNA. It's just something that mm-hmm. makes me go. It's something that moves me. It's something that makes me tick. It's just like, I'm always on the go. Like, how can I make the next thing happen? How can I create this and hear the results? Mm-hmm. I think being a go-getter is really important if you want to do music. You really have to have And it seems like you have that. But obviously, you face challenges along the way as you're climbing to the top. So what do you think were some of the biggest challenges for you in the music, in the music business in order for you to become successful? Uh, can you repeat the last question? Yeah, yeah, yeah no problem. Um, what do you think? I think that your go-getter mentality really helps kind of with your rise. I think that's something that's important to have. But regardless you've probably faced challenges like everyone does in the music industry. So what do you think were some of the biggest challenges for you in order to become successful? Um, I think some of my biggest challenges, honestly, was going inside the building. Um, When I was outside of the building, you know, there was a lot of like, you're learning and you're making mistakes on the go. You're just correcting mistakes. There's no one to check your mistakes. You were the guy that made the decision, made the mistakes, corrected decision. And you, and you kept it kept it moving. You learned on your own. I think when I went into the building, I had to adapt on how the building worked because there's 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 I wouldn't say there's protocols because it's in the building. Honestly, it's, it's, to have the job that I have, it, there's a lot of free will. Um, but I had to adapt on how the business worked and and how you know moving parts in the building moved. Um, so my first year in publishing. Um, I had to navigate on 
what was a smart deal, how to make a deal, how to get people to sign to me. Um, um, why should they sign to me? Um, so, and I think a lot of times initially I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, I suck. Um, um, <laughs> no one believes me. And then, uh, I remember someone who worked at the company who, who, who held my hand. I, I'll give him a lot of props is our senior VP, Greg Souders, who sat with me is like, yo, Walt, this is going to take a year for you to figure this out. Don't rush it, but ask questions and no dumb question. No question is a dumb question. So I, I initially, I didn't, I didn't get it. Cause I was like, yo, why is it going to take me a year to figure out publishing? I do publishing deals on the outside all day long. But then I realized there's, so many intricate moving parts in the publishing business that you have to understand that you have to operate with and i and it took me a while to learn it took me about a year to figure it out and once i figured it out i just started churning out people i was able to have conversations with people and be knowledgeable about the conversations that i were having with folks and and it started to make a turn for me um but other than that is like you know like you, you, there's a lot of times you're getting industry people aren't going to give you opportunity i've dealt with that um um people promise you things or people tell you that they're this person and you know they don't do the necessary things that they say that they're going to do and it leads you to go out and, and figure it on your own and i had to deal with that you know there was, a, there was an instance that happened for me in the music industry where there was this huge manager that i looked up to and he promised me xyz and i agreed to the terms that he wanted and he turned his back on me. I never heard from him again. Wow. How do you think you were really able to, you know, learn and develop yourself as a professional and kind of, you know, work on those challenges that you faced? Was there anyone who was mentoring you? I mean, how were you really able to develop yourself? I, I would say there was there were some key people in my life. Um, key people in my life who who made a huge change for me. There's there's a there's a guy by the name of KJ um, who's my friend um, who lives in Atlanta. He's in New York a lot, um, but he's also in the music industry. But one day he called me and was like, "Hey, I want to introduce you to someone." And that person was Tunde from LVRN. He played a vital role uh, of introducing me into this relationship, which helped forge a lot of future business dealings. And he's the guy who's behind the scenes, who's always coaching me, who's always helping me. And he played a super important role in seeing the growth of my career. Um, but two people on the in the business side that really like uh, played a role for me was Shani Gonzalez, um, who was who represented my guys at the previous publisher that they were at when I first came to LA in 2013. Um, I think she had just came over in like 2014, 2015, and she was newly assigned to us. And I was this young manager and she took me under her wings, like, you know, like, and like really believed in me, would listen to me. I would repeat myself a million times. She would tell me, slow down, shut up and just listen. And then I would listen and she would tell me things or tell me where to be and, and I would go and things would happen for me. And then with that relationship, she I was introduced to Ryan Press, um, who has really guided me as an executive and, and, and as a black executive in the music industry, um, you know, we're upheld to a standard that we have to really push and, and make sure that we're, we're really perfect in this space. And he really has guided me, you know, not perfect by any shot, but he's really guided me to help me grow and just be beyond just a, my my whole goal with this thing is said and done is to be beyond just a creative 
executive. You know, I'm an executive that's going to, I believe it's going to run a company one day. So it's like with his guidance and his teachings and Big John, you know, for the time that I was able to share with him when he was at Warren Chapel, those are people that play vital roles. I would say Ryan has really held my hand in the situation and watched my growth as an executive and helped me go to the top and push me uh, into this executive role. And, and soon, I, I believe, with some leadership position, um, I will soon, if I continue to follow his footsteps and guidelines. And stuff. Mm-hmm. What do you think are some common traits that you and these leaders that, you know, have mentored you and that you've mentioned have? And you think a trait that people might need to make it in this business? Um, I think a trait that I realize all these people have, like the people that I look up to, the John, the John Platts, the Ryan Press, the Shanique Gonzalez's, my friends, uh, LVR, my friend Gordon Diller. Um, a big trait is the understanding of people. If you can understand people, you can move them out. Um, if you can, if you can help people untap their true potential, you can you can take over the world. And I think one thing that these executives that and my friends they untap people's true potential. Like I just thought I was going to be somebody that was going to go in there initially on my eighteen month contract, and I was like, yo, whatever, this is going to go in. And then it's not till I realized how invested these people were into me to see me to go to the next level. And I was like, wow, I need to pass this on to someone else because there may be someone right there at the cusp, but they haven't realized the necessary things that they need to realize. And it's like, how can I help them untap their potential? And it's that's something I realized that I got from Shanine, something I realized I got from Ryan, something I realized I got from John, something I realized I got from my friends around me, um, is investing in, 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 in the next person. Mm-hmm. How do you think you're able to overcome stress, uncertainty, and negativity that comes along with your job? Um, initially, I was terrible at it. Uh, my first year, I was in the building and like my hair was falling out. Literally, I would like put my hand in my hair and I was like so stressed out. I was like, I gotta find somebody or they're gonna get rid of me. Like, but it was like month two. But I was like, yo, this is the big league. Like, they don't have time to play. I was like. Yeah. I mean, and then I I was there for what so many months and I watched somebody who's like who sat right next to me get let go and it just drove me even more crazy. I was like, oh gosh, this is crazy. I don't know what's going on. Like I just got here and I was like, yo, this seemed like a family. This is a team. Like, why would they do that to him? It was like, I'm next. I'm next to him. So I'm next. Um simply how I was able to figure this out was like, man, you know, mistakes are gonna happen. No one's perfect. Um, just chill out and reassess the situation. I really like, I get on my bike and I go on 30 mile rides and I just like turn everything off and I come back and I come with a clear mind and I process what it is that the mistake I made or someone, if I missed out on a signing or if I wasn't up to par in my executive work, like I just reassess the situation. I don't beat myself up over things. Like if I don't get a signing, if if I if I made a huge mistake, I reevaluate the situation, correct my wrongs, and I move forward. I don't dwell on it. Um, I'm not gonna let myself beat myself over any situation that doesn't fit me. Um, so it's just like 
learning tactics and speaking to a therapist, um, decompressing situations, letting, you know, my work is 24 hours, but, you know, taking mm-hmm. some of the workload off of you and say, hey, look, I'm going to I'm gonna hang out with my friends. I'm going to congregate here. I'm going to do things that was at, outside of work to relieve, alleviate some of that stress that we have to deal with, a lot of that stress that we have to deal with. Mm-hmm. Do you think you've gotten good at dealing with that stress or do you think it's something that's still challenging for you? I'm, I'm so good. I honestly don't feel like I, I at this point, I don't, I don't know, maybe I'm just saying this, but I, I don't even, I don't let things stress me out at all. I don't. Really? Because if something's going to be, if something's going to be for me, it's going to be for me. If it's not, I, I can think about it for two seconds. I move on to be honest. Mm-hmm. That's important, though, that it's important to hear that because a lot of times, you know, when we have these discussions, we'll hear people talk. You, you know, from an executive standpoint or someone who's made it to the top, if you will, people always think, oh, they're so good at handling this and handling that. But it's good to hear that originally you were not good at it at all. And it's something that you had to work up to. Um, I think that's really important. And I think most people are like that. And maybe some people just don't admit it. But I think it is something that you, you know, you really do have to work up to. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, So what year do you join Warner Chapel? I joined Warner Chapel, I believe, in 2000. uh, I think 17 <laughs> i think i think yeah. 16 or 17 16 or 17 i might have been 17 yeah i can't remember yeah. so i mean so you join warner chapel and really quick just explain for listeners that might not know you know what exactly music publishing is and how it's different than like signing a record label or signing to a record label or something like that uh Music publishing, we represent the writers and we protect the copyrights. Um, so as far as everyone's a writer, producers, artists, songwriters, they're writers of their works. So we make sure their copyrights are protected as far as like, hey, they write a song, we turn in the splits, um, we make sure that it's registered. But beyond that, um, when we sign an act, when we sign an artist, we truly believe it starts with the song. Um, without a song, there's, there is no, there is no record. So we put together sessions for acts. We put together, um, listening camps for acts. We create the songs for our artists, um, in, in relations with the label and we help build their careers. Um, our biggest, you know, a lot of hits have come from, you know, the hands of our A&R saying, Hey, look, I have a song and I'm pitching it to this artist or, Hey, I put this session together and we wrote this song for this for this act. A lot of the times people are confused on what publishers do or what A&Rs do in the publishing space. But I do think we serve a major purpose, if not one of the most important purposes um, of protecting our writers and making sure that their works are registered properly, that they're being serviced properly, that we're pushing the catalog to making sure that it continues to be recognized and, and exploited in different facets of the world and and internationally. So the nature of your job, I mean, a lot of what you do, you have to really listen to music in a way that the average listener might not. And really also dissect what's going on, right? In terms of- Yeah, it's a different level for us. Like we sleep, breathe, eat music. Like it's like, 
I could tell you, like, if a song is coming out, I probably know about it or I've heard it. Um, if there's something on New Music Friday, it's being brought to my attention. I've probably heard it. Um, I can tell you, I might sit at a party and I probably might know majority of the songs that are being played because we literally are inundated with music every day. You got to know the songs. You got to know who the writers are. You got to find the available pieces on songs and like decide like who you got to bet on your ear and bet on who's going to be the next artist, who's going to be the next producer, who's going to be the next songwriter. And if you don't have the information, you've lost the battle. You know, your job will be gone very fast. The biggest thing in our industry is having the information. If you don't have the information, you're you're, going to be in last place. So it's like, we hear so much music. We listen to the music. Uh, We're getting on, we're getting in and finding out like who wrote the song or, who produced this song? Who's a part of the record? We're, we're we're making sure that we're inserting ourselves in so many places to be a part of the record that we're listening to music every day. And it's, it's our life. So we love music. I think, you know, publishing ARs, we truly love music. We love the process of making music and how it came about, the story or how the record came about. Where did the person get the loop from? Where did the person get the melody from? And like, you know, like we love painting that picture and taking it to the next level. Do you think that's something that you've always had a natural talent for, or is that something that was developed over time? Oh, it was definitely developed over time. My my ear was trash um, in the beginning of my career. Um, I thought everything sounded great. Um, everything that I was trying to go after, I was like, oh, this is amazing. But it, it takes development to get into our space, and it's like it's not. It's like anything you do in life. You practice it. You create repetition. Uh, your ear will grow. Um, things that you do in this industry um, as an executive will will only get better if you put in the necessary work. But nothing was just like, yo, I I had an idea. I was in the space where like, yo, he has a key for identifying talent. But like my ear had to grow. My, my, My perspective on things had to grow. My openness on things had to grow. And then I think I'm in a space now where um, things like gravitate to me where I was like, yo, I can automatically pick up on something like this is something to me. And there are some days where none of us are perfect that you might miss on something. But a lot of the times I can hear something and be like, that is something. Can you send that to me? Can you take it to me? Do you think that you listen to music differently because of your job? Absolutely. Yeah. It's like going to, it's like, it's like ruined, <laughs> you know, like I still love music a lot, but like, um, the listening pleasures is different. Like if I want to go to a concert, I don't feel like I get the same response because I'm probably going after the artist. I'm probably looking for the artist. I'm like, so it's like, or the who who produced the song. So it's like, sometimes we don't get to enjoy the moment because we're like so immersed in the work of like, hmm, it's, you were almost like detectives and investigators, like finding out who's a part of this, who's doing that, or who's the manager, who's this. And Listening to the songs, honestly, you know, I still find pleasure in listening to the songs because I honestly, I do it when I'm in my car. I listen to majority of like new songs, new work, not on my laptop, not on speakers in my house. I go in the car and I just drive and I just listen to songs. But at that point, a lot of the times, yes, I'm searching on the who's the writer, who's the producer, who's the artist, who's the manager. But when I when it comes to listening to songs, I still find some, I still find a lot of pleasure in it. But I'm also doing a lot of research at the same time yeah absolutely it's a little bit more analytical yeah yeah what do you think looking at you know your career since 
joining Warner Chapel, like just your career in general thus far, what was a really big milestone where you you realized where you've gotten in life at this point? Was there ever a moment where you were like, wow, I can't believe I'm here and I'm doing this? And if I was, you know, a kid, I would have never thought this would be my life. Uh, being at the Grammys, going to the Grammys and watching a lot of our acts win awards and I'm with the whole entire team and staff and we're in this skybox and I'm just looking at everyone. It's like, wow, I can't believe I'm here. Mm-hmm. And even to take it a step further to be a young black male and to see how many people are in the room that look like me, it's not a lot of us. Um, so it's like, I'm like, I always had the vision of saying that I was going to make it an industry but I never thought it would be this. I would be in this space of my career, like rubbing shoulders with these people that I've seen before me that have been in the game longer than me doing this. Mm-hmm. You know, I, you know, honestly, I was like, yeah, I'm probably going to do these two years and I'll be out. And then my career has, has grown and it has allowed me to see things I've never seen before. And, and, and it just showed me like, wow, you know, being mm-hmm. part of artists' career and watching them grow and watching them go on and be successful and be able to take care of their family. So it's like, it was the first year I went to the Grammys, um, I would say it was 2018. Mm-hmm. Wow. Or 2017, 2018, 2017, 2018. How do you think your career has impacted your personal growth so far? My, my career has impacted my personal growth because it has allowed me to go places and see places that I've never thought I'd see in life um, to open up opportunities to other people. I think my personal career has allowed me to open the doors for other people. I never got into the music industry to do this for myself, but I simply got in initially to do this for my family. Then once it went beyond my family and be able to help and support my family, it showed me that, hey, there's the next executive that's coming up like me. There's the next person in line. So that allowed me to open up myself to a lot of people and, and be a guidance and be a guideline and be a lifeline to where they can call and, and say, hey, Wallace, yo, I'm trying to do this. I'm trying to do that. And I'm able to pour into them. That gave me so much personal um, joy that made me a better person. Um, it makes me excited to help people. Um, so it has made me a better person overall. Um, I don't do this for money. Yes, we're paid for it, but I don't, the money doesn't move me, you know, because I always feel like if you work hard, the money will come. So it's the personal satisfaction of to see the smile that you put on people's faces, seeing people's lives change with the opportunities that you give them. So me passing off blessings to other people has made me a better person overall. It just made me much happier. Um, and I'm able to do things that I wasn't able to do four years ago. I can afford things that I can afford things financially, mentally, and in every kind of in every kind of way. Absolutely. It sounds like for you, this past decade has been monumental in growth. Um, it's been lit. What? It's been lit. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> so, how would you summarize? the past decade for yourself and what are your goals for the next decade? Hmm. How would I summarize this decade and what are my goals for the next decade? Mm-hmm. Um, wow. I never thought about that. 
um, how would I summarize this decade? Uh, fruitful, um, giving, a blessing, um, eye-opening. Um, this, this decade has allowed me to embrace and interact with so many people that have become my friends, that have become family, mm -hmm. that I'm so thankful for. And I look forward to the next 10 years to creating opportunities for like-minded individuals, uh, for the future of tomorrow, young black students, uh, female, male that want to go into the industry that don't have an outlet or don't have a voice. I want to be a person that creates that. My, my next 10 years are honestly are going to be based around uh, philanthropy of people in music uh, and, the, and, and the mental aspect uh, of music and how we make sure that we take care of the people that we work with. Um, but a big thing is, is in my music career, I want to push philanthropy and make that my big thing. Like, hey, giving back to kids who are less fortunate, creating opportunities for kids that aren't able to go to college but want to get into the music industry. How can we create avenues for people that want to take that route? Because we have some CEOs of companies that are running companies that's never stepped a foot in college. So I want to create the opportunities for people who are at who want to come in at an entry level and say, hey, look, I don't have a four-year degree, but I have drive, I have dedication, I'm a hard worker. Here's how we can offer things to you. And I want to, because I'll be honest with you, music literally changed my life. Music has afforded so many things that I could not do if it wasn't for the for the for music. So I want to pass that on to other people. And, and music is the universal language. I can be from, we can be from two different walks of life and we can speak the same language through music, but I may turn off this song, but I can't communicate to you in your language. But as soon as we put the song, we can smile, we can laugh, we can recite the lyrics together, and we can create dialogue in that space. Going off of what you said, and as we near the end of the interview, I wanna know what your advice would be to people my age or younger people who want to launch themselves into the music industry or get involved and don't know where to start. My thing to every young person as a desire to embark on this music industry, strap your boots and get ready for war. What I when I say that is to navigate the music industry, there's no book on the music industry of like how to get a job or who to meet or who to talk to. Um, so when I say that, I say, hey, look, you're gonna face a lot of obstacles. There's going to be a lot of things thrown at your waist. There's going to be things that you don't want to do that you feel like, hey, this is not me. Um, you, there's jobs that you're going to have to take on that you don't want to take on to get where you're going in life. Mm -hmm. um, so I say with every opportunity comes to you, take full advantage of the opportunity. Um, never take any opportunity for granted. Never take no for an answer. Just because one door closes in your face doesn't mean the next door is going to close. Keep knocking down those barriers. And someone's going to realize that. And I will say that because that person that realized it for me was Shazni Gonzalez and Ryan Press. And they gave me an opportunity. And now I want to pass that opportunity to somebody else. Um, so continue to strive. Um, my, my thing is to be the most strategic detective that you can be at this. Use the power of social media. I was able to figure out and maneuver my way through this thing with social media, finding out who are my favorite managers, where do they frequent, where do they play basketball, what restaurants they go to. And one thing I'll leave with everybody with is put yourself where you see yourself. And when you put yourself where you see yourself, 
you will end up finding the like-minded individuals that you want to be around and you guys will at some point assimilate and they will find something in you if you have something to bring to the table and they're going to they're gonna pour into you. And then before you know it, you'll be that person reversing that process and being that person for someone else. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That is great advice. And, and on that note, I do want to thank you so much for doing this interview with me. You gave so much amazing advice. Um, and I think this is going to be really great for our listeners to hear. So thank you so much. I look, I look forward to whenever, when, when we come out of quarantine, I'd love to do something in person with you guys. I know we had it scheduled before, but I want to say thank you to the Warner Chapel team who helped facilitate this Crystal, Denise, Amisha, um, my assistant Pompey and everybody from your side that helped put this together. I think this was a great opportunity for us to speak. And I hope the listeners take this in and, and enjoy it. If there's any questions I can answer, we can figure out a way to facilitate me for me to answer some questions from people. Um, and, and in any way that I can be a help to someone, I'm here. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you.